0: We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psychove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7pm and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1pm. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining
1: us. Shalom.
0: We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us.
1: Shalom. We
0: at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at and as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at and as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7pm and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1pm. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining
1: us. Shalom.
0: We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psychove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us.
1: Shalom. We
0: at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psychove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at and as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psychove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7pm and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1pm. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining
1: us. Shalom.
0: We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us.
1: Shalom. We
0: at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at Psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and at the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psycove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you... Shalom, shalom, shalom on the first day of the Feast of Unleavened Bread. In all praises to the Most High, Yah, His Son, Yahusha. we at the Science of the Covenant welcome you on this special day as we begin the Feast of Unleavened Bread. I am Boyce Washington, and on the other side of me is Pastor Richard Washington. As you know, we are into the spring feast days. So, join us next week, next Saturday. Next Shabbat, April the 23rd at 1 p.m. Join us as we kick off this celebration of as we end the seven weeks. I'm sorry, not seven weeks, seven days of Feast of Unleavened Bread. So we look forward to you joining us April the 23rd at 1 p.m. And as always, if you have any questions or comments while this podcast is live or even afterwards, please feel free to email us at science at gmail.com. And we will get to your question or comment on air on our next live podcast. So pastor, what are you going to be giving us today?
2: Uh, seeing that this is the first day of Passover. And <clears throat> what I want to look at is what I call the periods of the Passover. There are three periods of the Passover. I want to try to cover one uh this evening but what i'm looking at there's a certain part of the first part that i might have to give maybe next week but if i can cover the first part which i think is most lengthy then i can cover the other two parts along with this part uh what i have here today so i'm looking at the periods of the Passover. And when we talk about the periods, it's three periods. The first period that we are looking at is what you call the pre-creation Passover. And then the next period is called the present Passover, in which uh, is covered in the Bible. And then we're going to deal with the post-creation Passover when once the plan of redemption is over or here on the earth. Uh, we'll be dealing with the Passover. So those three periods is what we want to deal with. And uh, see, can we get a perspective? And the perspective that we'll be looking at is, why is it that Passover is the first thing mentioned out of all of the other feasts? Why did Passover come first? And that's what I want to deal with. And so as we get ready to get into our studies, I'm going to ask you to turn with me in the book of uh, Leviticus, chapter 23, verse 5. But before we begin to go into the scriptures, let's have a brief word of prayer. Eternal Father, we thank you for the privilege of having the knowledge to know that as we start the Feast of Unleavened Bread, O Heavenly Father, which we realize, O Heavenly Father, the blood of Yeshua on Passover Eve prepares us to go into the Feast of Unleavened Bread. So as you have purged us with your blood and made us clean, and as we go into this week, we ask that we may keep it as you would have us to. Realize that the first day of Unleavened Bread and the last day of Unleavened Bread are the holy days in which we should come together in a convocation. So bless us in this study and do for us that which is needed. These blessings we do ask in the name of Yeshua, the Messiah. And for his dear sake, we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Okay, here we want to read in uh, Genesis, not Genesis, but Leviticus chapter 23. I want to concentrate on uh, verse number five. Here it says, in the 14th day of the first month, at even is Yah's Passover. So, uh, the period of the Passover. What is interesting about Yah's Passover is that it is neither classified as a festival or a holy day. When we read in Leviticus 23, it points out which days are considered feasts and which are Sabbaths, or which are both feast and Sabbath. As we pointed out, that the Passover event is neither a feast nor a Sabbath. However, it is the Passover which prepares Yah's people for following for the following feast to come. So we don't see it as a feast day or a Sabbath. It prepares us to go into the feast. Have you ever stopped to think why it is that Yah starts with Passover and then he proceeds into the festivals? Let us take an introspective look as to why this may be. As I've said, we have divided our discourse into three segments. The first segment uh, we will refer to as the, pro- the pre-creation Passover, okay, it's- So when we consider the fact that uh, before creation was even thought about or started, Elohim was talking about the plan of redemption. So we want to look at that. And so let us turn to the first epistle of Peter, Peter, first Peter. And here in uh, First Peter, we want to use uh, chapter 1, and we want to go to verse 18, and we're going to read 18 down through uh, 20. Now here it says in 1 Peter chapter 1, starting with verse 18 through 20, it says, For as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold, for your vain conversation received by the traditions from your fathers, but with the precious blood of the Messiah as a lamb without blemish and without spot, who verily was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you. So when we consider the fact that Peter is pointing out to us that there was a sacrifice that took place before the foundation of our world. Moreover, he says of this sacrifice that it was foreordained. Now, this word "ordained" comes from the Greek word "progen." <clears throat> progeno. It, it is spelled uh, well. It's pronounced progen. Nosco, progenosco, and that spell P-R-O-G-I-N-O-S-K-O, progenosco. Mm-hmm. Now, the root word of progenosco is progen, p r o g i n progen. Now this word progen is a root word of progen no progenosco. So progenoscope is the word for foreordained. So when we look at progenoscope, and this word carries the meaning of to begin to know beforehand. So when we talk about something foreordained, it is something known beforehand. And so what we are looking at, even beforehand or before the foundation of this world was starting to be created, There was something that Elohim knew which began to be known beforehand, before the creation. So when we look at progen or progenoscope, we're looking at foreordained, something that was known before the creation of the world. Now, before Yeshua, our lamb was slain on the tree, it was known that he would before he would be slain before ever the foundation of the world was laid. It is as if Yah stood outside of time, and in doing so, he put in place the sacrificial system prior to the creation of this world. So when he thought about making it, this world, he first thought about salvation first. Now, when we read uh, in in Scripture what Peter is saying, he is saying that the crucifixion or the slain lamb was foreordained before the foundation of the world. So when he talks about that we would not redeem with silver and gold, but with the precious blood, of the lamb without blemish and without spot. He's referring to Yeshua. And he said, this took place before the foundation of the world. It was foreordained. So in the opening chapters of John's gospel, he speaks concerning the word. Okay. Now, now what we are looking at is that when we consider, uh, what Peter is saying, he talks about the foundation of the world. Okay, now in looking at something that was ordained before the foundation of the world, then we have to go back in. We have to go back in history, uh, back past what we would call the creation, because before the creation was here. All of this took place. Now, what we want to do is to look at another text, and in this other text, what we want to look at is is found in let me see. We want to look at First Peter. I think we're still in First Peter. Uh, and in First Peter, uh, let me see. All right. Okay, in First First Peter, it, it speaks about. Uh, he said, For, in verse twenty four ordained before the foundation of the world." All right. Now, with that in mind, that we see something that's taking place before the world before the world was. And so with that in mind, we want to turn to another text in 2 Peter this time. In 2 Peter. 2nd Peter, what we want to look at is the first chapter, in the first chapter in First Peter, we want to look at verse 19, 1 Peter, chapter 1. In verse 19, now notice what what this says. It said, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed as a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts. Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. He said, for... The prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of Elohim spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. Okay, now, what I want you to notice here in verse 19, it speaks about a more sure word of prophecy, a more sure word, okay? So now, what we want to look at when he talks about a more sure word what is peter talking about he is saying if you really want a sure word not just a a, a a a word but he said a sure he said a more sure word so what he's putting emphasis on is not only do you have the word and not only do you have a sure word when you read the bible but peter is saying i want to give you a, a more sure word I want to give you something more sure. Now, so what is that more sure word? He says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. In other words, he's saying prophecy is a more sure word. So he's speaking of the sense that if you want to get anything out of the scriptures that is sure and more sure than anything else, it's prophecy. Okay. Now, what I want us to do is to look at at this word he says a more sure word. Now we want to look up this word. We want to deal with this word, uh, this, this sure word. Now, before we really get into the more sure word, what we want to do is turn to the gospel of John, the gospel of John. And that's found in his first, in the, uh, in his gospel. Okay. we we'll to look at, the gospel of John now in it, in his opening chapter of John's gospel, he speaks concerning the word. Now here's what he says. in, in the gospel of John chapter one and verse one, here's what he says. The Bible says in the beginning was the word and the word was with Elohim and the word was Elohim. Okay. Now what we're looking at is this. Here, Peter speaks about the word, and he calls the word a more sure word of prophecy. Now we see John is speaking about the word. So we want to kind of kind of uh, look at this word, and what, what we're talking about. Peter uses word, and then John also talks about the word. He says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with Elohim, and the word was Elohim. This same word that is used for the word of prophecy is also the same word that is used for Elohim, which is the word, okay? Same word that is used. Now, the Hebrew word for the word word is Lagos, Lagos. The interesting thing about it is when Peter talks about the word of prophecy, he uses this word logos, just as John uses it here in John 1 1. He uses the word logos. Now, when John uses the word logos, he associates the word logos with being Elohim. However, when Peter uses the word logos, he associates It to prophecy. So I want you to get the picture here. John says the Lagos was Elohim. Peter says the Lagos is the prophecy. So we got two scenarios here. We got Lagos representing Elohim, and then we got Lagos representing prophecy. Now that we see that the two contexts in which the word Lagos is being used, we can now continue to put together the meanings of the word Lagos. Okay. What the, the meanings for the word Lagos were one. It, when you talk about the Lagos, you was talking about the word. The Lagos also means speech. It means matter. And it also means reason. So when you consider those four elements, when you talk about the logos, you're talking about the word. You're talking about speech. You're talking about matter, and you're talking about reason. While the meanings will remain the same, however, we will, in dealing with the word logos, then we 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 would ask the question: Why why is prophecy or uh, or, or or the prophetic word? more sure why, why is it more more sure why do we say that prophecy's word is more sure okay and i think we got a hint at it by the fact that john says that the word or the lagos was elohim himself and the word was with elohim and i think somebody had asked a question uh in the book of uh Proverbs about who is his name and what is his name. Okay, well, this kind of points out that in the beginning of all things that the word was with Elohim and the word was Elohim. How can you be with and was at the same time? Well, Elohim is the word, and Yeshua, who came from it, is also the word. And the Bible said the word was made flesh. So when we talk about a uh, person that was with or what is his name, we're talking about the father and the son. So, just why is the prophetical word so sure? At this juxtaposition, we want to examine Peter's use of the word. When Peter speaks about a more sure word, the Greek word for which he uses for word is logos. The word logos carries the meaning of which, if they were put, together would make perfectly sense how some of the meanings for Lagos are given. If you put it in a logical sequence, you could see how all of these would fit together. So Lagos means, as we pointed out, a word, it means speech, it means matter, and it means reason. So let us see if we can Make some sense of these meanings. However, before we get into these definitions, let us explore another aspect of the word. Okay? Now, the other aspect of the word is that when Peter talks about the more sure word of prophecy, he talks about a more sure word of prophecy. And we want to turn back to First uh, Peter one, I mean Second Peter uh, one nineteen. Okay, now one nineteen it says we have a more sure word of prophecy. Here in this text, Peter is telling us that if there is something that is sure, it is prophecy. Peter says, P- Peter says it this way. He says a more sure word of prophecy. This word prophecy comes from the word prophetikos, prophetikos, okay? And it carries the meaning of something that is prophetic. When something is prophetic, it is in essence like the word foreordain. The word foreordain means to know beforehand. That's what foreordain means. And something that is prophetic it is something known beforehand as well. So when Peter talks about the four ordained things or the foreordained uh, sacrifice, it also merges with that which is prophetic, because that which is prophetic is also something known before it even happens. So Peter is laying out to us that prophecy is something that is known by Elohim before it happens. It is a more sure word than any other word. So Elohim already knew if Elohim is the word and pro- and prophecy, which comes from him, is also the word, then he is saying if it comes from Elohim, it must be sure. It must be sure. So if we have any word, he said prophecy is a more sure word. So if prophecy is a more sure word, then when we arrange the sequence of the meanings of the word uh, 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 lagos, uh, we're going to see how logically it fits in, and we'll use the following order. Now, we already stated what, what, uh, what lagos means. It means a word it means a speech, it means matter, and it means reasons. But now here's what we're going to do. We're going to take all four of those meanings of Lagos, and we're going to rearrange the words. And the way that we're going to rearrange them is this. When we look at the the four meanings, the first meaning that we want to put for Lagos is reason. The second word or meaning for Lagos is word. The third for lagos is speech and the last one number four is matter so when we think about lagos we want to think about reasoning we want to think about the word we want to think about speech which is speaking and we also want to think about matter now now that we have listed their order let us now make some sense of this order Let's let's make some sense out of it we pointed out from scripture that Elohim is referred to as the word. So we'll start with him as the word or the Lagos. We asked the question, why is Elohim called the word or Lagos? Why is he called that? He is called the word because he that he is called the word because that is who. He is. He is the Word. And from who he is comes forth that which he is, which is his Word. Now that we can see that Elohim is the Word, let us see how these definitions relate to him. Okay, now we're going to deal with all four of the words that we describe as describing Lagos or giving definitions of what Lagos means. Okay, now the first one we pointed out was what? Was reasoning, okay? So we're going to call this the Lagosian reasoning. Because when you think about Lagos, it's a word uh, that even when it's taken into the English language, there are a the number of words you can get from Lagos. You can get the word Lago. A lot of times we have logos that we put on things. That comes from the word Lagos. And when we talk about logic, that comes from the word logos. And when we talk about uh, 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 a reasoning, that comes from the word Lagos. When we talk about thinking, that comes from Lagos. Because in order for something to be logical and reasonable... It it, 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 it it has to uh, come from the root word, Lagos. That's where it comes from. So the Lagosian reasoning, when we speak in terms of reason, it deals with thinking. When we reason, we think. And when we think about something, that is the process of reasoning. Even Elohim says in the book of Isaiah, chapter one and verse 18, it's, Yah says, come, let us reason together okay so elohim doesn't have to a lot of times we have to understand things but there's there there isn't anything that elohim has to understand because we, we as humans we have understanding but elohim has what what is called overstand overstanding now we have understanding but he have overstanding which means that he knows everything He doesn't have to understand it. He, 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 he have overstanding. He knows everything. Why does he know everything? Well, number one, he's Elohim. And number two, he created everything. So he don't have to understand it. He overstands it. So when we look at the Lagosian reasoning, it is that it is the thoughts of Elohim. That's that way he thinks. He thinks now the next a uh, 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 definition was is the Ligosian word. The Ligosian word. Now when we talk about when we speak in terms of a word, it has to do with our, our conception or thoughts or imaginations. Words are our reasoning put together. So when we reason, we start putting words together to make sense of our thinking. If you want to know what somebody thinks, you have to understand the words that they speak. So when Elohim reasons, then he put his reasons into words. Okay, so we have the Ligosian reasoning, and we have the Ligosian word. Okay, so words are the thoughts, and then we have the Ligosian speech. Okay. Okay. When we speak in terms of speech, it has to do with communicating words. Speech is our words put together to make sense of our words. That's what speech is. All right. So when we have the reasoning and the reasoning is put together into words and the words is put together into speech to communicate, then we come to the Lagosian matter. When we speak in terms of matter, it has to do with our speech, talk, and verbalizing what type of matter it is that is spoken of. So when we talk about matter, we're talking about that which is spoken of. Okay, so with these uh, definitions, let us go further. Now let us apply these words and their definitions to Elohim. In the creation of the world, Elohim first use reason to determine what it was that he wanted. So let's turn to Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. Okay, because we're trying to trace down the word and how it is being used in those four instances. Okay, now here in Genesis here, what we see here, starting with verse 2, the Bible says, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit of Elohim moved upon the face of the waters. And Elohim said, let there be light, and there was light. Okay, now we're looking at a process here. We're looking at a process. All right. So when we look at, uh, when we speak in turn, when we uh, apply these definitions to Elohim, what do we have? Well, we're going to look at all four of these uh, words as they re- relate to him. So in the creation of this world, Elohim first reasoned to determine what it was that he wanted. okay? So he didn't just pop up and say, "Let that be light." He thought about it first, okay? He reasoned what what would need to be first. He reasoned it out. So after reasoning it out, he puts his reasoning into words. He put his reason into words. Once having put his reasoning into words, he spoke them into existence. Now, once having spoken his words into existence, matter formulated into whatever it was that he spoke. So in other words, what we are saying here in the creation He first thought about or reasoned about the creation, which means he thought about the creation. Once he thought about the creation, then he used words in his mind to describe his thoughts. And once he used the words to describe his thoughts, then he spoke. And then once he spoke, then things in matter formulated what he wanted that was in his mind. So when he said, when the Bible says, and Elohim said, that's him speaking. And once he spoke, he spoke what was in his mind. What was in his mind? He had reason that he wanted light. And so the word light was in his mind. So when he spoke, the light came into being. And when the light came into being, then that was the actualization of the matter in which he wanted. So everything he said. Was a word. That's why they call him the word. So when he had the creation, everything in creation had a name. And so when he had that name in his mind that was encapsulized in a word, then when he spoke the word, then the word brought into existence what he wants. Consequently, we have what we have is Elohim reasons, Elohim puts his reasoning into words and Elohim puts his words into speech, then Elohim's speech arranges and organizes matter into whatever it is that he desires. That's what the word is. Now, just as true as Elohim brought all things into existence by his word, even so will he bring into existence his prophetic word. Let us see how Yah's word comes to us. Let us see how his word comes to us. Okay. okay. Let us see how Yah's words come to us. And we pointed out that Elohim first reasons. Second, he puts his reason into words. Third, he speaks his words. And fourth, his speech transforms matter into whatever he wants it to be. Now, in conjunction with Elohim's reasoning, words, speech, and matter, how does he bring all, bring about in the material world that which is in his mind? In other words, when we look at the material mind, how does his thoughts about how he wants the material world to be, how does he transfer his thoughts into physical realities? Okay. How does he do this? Now, let us turn back to Gen. Well, if you don't already have it, let us look at back in Genesis chapter uh, chapter 2. I mean, not chapter 2, but chapter 1 in verse 2. We want to see how it is that in the mind of Elohim, he takes his thoughts and he transfers it into creation. He'll think about a tree, and the next thing you see in the physical world, you see a tree. He thinks about an animal, and the next thing... You see, there's an animal. He thinks about a man, and then the next thing we see is a man. So let's let's look at that. We want to look at this process. Okay, let us now take uh, 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 Genesis chapter 1 and verse 2. Here's what it says. It said, And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the spirit, or the Ruach, Elohim, moved upon the face of the waters. So now here's what I want want us to understand. Here's what I want to understand is that when we have when, when, when we have the reason, we have the word, and we have the speech and the matter. Okay. So when we have the reason, the word, the speech, and the matter, how does that get into the creation of this world? How does it get here? Well, the Bible says basically right here in Genesis 1-2, it said all of these things come by the Spirit, or the Ruach, Elohim. It comes by His Spirit. So what we are looking at is Elohim, when He speaks, it is by His Spirit. So when we look at these four elements, what we are looking at is, is that when He reasons, A part of the spirit is not only life, but a part of the spirit is also our ability to think. If you don't have no spirit in you, you can't think. So Elohim's spirit also has his mind within his spirit. And when our minds have the spirit in it, then we are able to reason and to think because we are made in his image. So, So when he thinks that's his spirit. When his thinking becomes words, that's his spirit. This is why they say that his word is like the spirit because the word and his spirit are together. So when he thinks, there's a spirit. And then when he takes his thinking and conforms it into words, it's his spirit. And then when he takes his word, And he takes that word and he transfers his word into speech. In order to have speech, you have to have the spirit. And then when his word goes into material matter, what happens? The spirit takes his thoughts and conforms that material matter into that which Elohim wants us to be. So let us now take this same analogy as we deal with prophecy And the word foreordained, which means before. We will look at the protocol as to how Yah's prophecy comes to us. Okay. Now I want us to turn into 2 Peter, in the book or the epistle of 2 Peter. Here in 2 Peter, we want to look at uh, chapter 1, 2 Peter. And we want to look at chapter 1, and we want to look at verse 21, okay? In other words, we saw how creation came into existence. Now we want to see uh, this of how Elohim translates or communicates to us his prophecy, okay? Now, here in Second Peter chapter 1 and verse 21, the last verse of the first chapter of 2 Peter, it says, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. In other words, he's saying man had nothing, man didn't have anything to do with prophecy. Yeah, and he didn't have anything to do with it. He said, but a holy man of Elohim spake as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. So it stands to us that when Elohim had a prophet, uh, a prophet, the prophet didn't have to go to another man to get this. It said that this the Spirit, or the Holy Ghost, or the Holy Spirit, the Ruach Hakodash, it moved upon men, and they spoke what Elohim wanted them to speak. It's about a Spirit. So Elohim reasons, word, speech, which transforms matter into that which is in his mind. In prophecy... We have a similar process at work. So let's we saw how creation worked, and what we saw was that the reasons was made into words, and the words was made into speech, and speech got into matter through the power of the Holy Spirit, and it brought into existence in this world what was in the mind of Elohim. So we want to see how that works in prophecy. In prophecy, we have a similar process at work. When we talk about prophecy, why do we call it prophecy? Because prophecy comes from a prophet. That's where prophecy comes from, for a prophet. So how does the prophet get their prophecies? How do they get it? Peter tells us it is by Elohim speaking to them. Let us see how this process works. Elohim's mind is in his spirit. Therefore, if a prophet is one who speaks for Elohim, then the prophet who speaks for Elohim must have in his mind what Elohim has in his mind. So in other words, what we are saying, that in order for a prophet to speak, the mind of Elohim must be transferred to the mind of the prophet. And so how does Elohim's mind get transferred into the prophet's mind? That's what we want to see. Now in Elohim's mind is his reasoning and his word. In order for his reasoning and his words to be proclaimed by his prophet, he must put his reasoning and word in the prophet's mind. How does he do that. He does it by his spirit. His spirit gets in touch with the prophet's spirit and puts in the prophet's mind what is in Elohim's mind, and under the inspiration of of Elohim's spirit, the prophet speaks Yah's message. Consequently, if Yah's spirit directs his prophets to speak, The mind of Yah, then if the prophet says that Yeshua, his son, was slain before the foundation of the world, it would mean that it was the prophets who are telling us is that before making a plan of creation, his first, he first makes a plan of salvation. So we see, even before there was any thought of creation, he made a plan of salvation. If it is true that Yah's mind was on salvation before the foundation of this world, this would mean he had a plan of redemption in place prior to man transgressing his covenant. This plan of redemption involved the covenant of blood. When we consider this covenant of blood, it would be logical that when Yah and his son put this covenant together, it contained what was needed in order to save the human family should they sin. What we want to reason what we want to uh, reason out is what such a covenant, what such a covenant would contain. So we're going to stop here, and then uh, when we get to the other part of our discourse, we'll we'll find out what this blood covenant contained. But what I'm trying to lay the foundation for is that why did Passover, why did that come first? It's not a feast. It's not a holy day. Why did it come first? Because the prophet says, The reason why it's coming first is because it was prophesied that before the creation came, that Elohim wanted to first make a plan of salvation, that if the family, the human family sinned, he had a way of saving them. And once he got that in place, he could go ahead on and make the creation, but he could know that the beings that he made, that if they sinned, they had a way back to him. So he thought enough of the plan of salvation to put... In place, first of all, the redemption of mankind.
0: Again, I want to reiterate, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at scienceofthecovenant at gmail.com. If you look below on the ticker, everything is there, how you spell it out. Just send us emails and we'll try to get to your question or comment. So you said logos Mm -hmm. mean reason, word, speech and matter.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And all of those are tied in in essence to creation because mm-hmm. he I would think reasoning is he thought about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Then his word went out through his speech. Mm-hmm. And when his word went out through his speech, it created the matter which created this world.
2: Mm-hmm. And everything we see in this world is coming from the mind of Elohim. And everything you see from the flowers to the stars, everything was according to his mind. He thought about it first. And Mm -hmm. through his spirit, he brought it all into existence. Mm. Mm -hmm. And what I was trying to point out here is that the same thing he did in creation, but even before he started creation, he thought about the plan of redemption. and, And when he thought about it, he he had it in place
0: mm-hmm.
2: and this is why you say he was a lamb that was slain before the foundation of the world
0: okay and with that we are going to transition to our next segment up next is let's talk about that as the pastor been talking we had just got through with passover which leads into the feast of unleavened bread And if you have your Bibles or you can just listen to me read, we're going to read. I want to read Numbers the 28th chapter, verses 16 and 17. And again, that's Numbers the 28th chapter, verses 16 and 17. And it reads And in the 14th day of the first month is the Pesach, Passover of Yahuwah. And in the 15th day of this month is the feast. Seven days shall matzah, unleavened bread, be eaten. So, Pastor, I want to ask: How does one go about
2: keeping the feast of unleavened bread? Okay, I think that's the appropriate question for this time of the year. Okay. Now, what we understand here about the text here and and number, it was pointing out the fact that uh, on the fourteenth day of the first uh, month. It's the Passover of Yahuwah, and also uh, when you read it in Leviticus, it not only points out the point fourteenth day, but it says it should be instituted in the evening. Okay, mm-hmm. so how do you keep Passover? First of all, what what was the purpose of Passover? Well, the purpose of Passover was they were preparing that when the death lamb, would, I mean death angel, would come, when the angel would bring forth the death for those who did not put the blood on the doorpost. They were preparing themselves to be protected uh, from the destroying angel that would come by. Mm-hmm. So one of the ways that we keep it is, is that we follow the same injunction that we focus upon the blood and the lamb And as we focus upon the blood and the lamb, there are some emblems that we have at the Passover meal that uh, would help us to be able to remember this. Now we probably get there's some texts, there's some texts in Matthew's and also I believe in First Corinthians Mm -hmm. that that talks about Pesach or Passover, Mm -hmm. and it says that one of the things that we do is we take out the leaven because we want unleavened bread. Uh-huh. If you read in verse 17 that you read, it says uh, uh, it, it talks about uh, the unleavened bread on the 15th day, uh-huh. because we know that Passover was the day before that, but it was not a whole day. It was just that evening portion. Uh-huh. The second evening is like, even at the evening is a day. So a day starts with the evening and it ends with the evening, but it was the second evening on the 14th that led into the 15th day, and so one of the ways that we de- we 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 are uh, we celebrated is on the day in which he has given us, which would be uh, the 14th. Uh, it would be from the 14th of the le- uh, of the 14th that evening to the 15th that mm-hmm. evening, coming into the 15th day. Now, what you'll notice that. Uh, the The new year uh, started on the first day of the month of Aviv, which was the first month. Mm-hmm. But in that same first month, he says, "On the fifteenth day, I want you to celebrate unleavened bread." Now it's interesting that when you come to the fifteenth day of the of the first month, mm-hmm. that that is a day that you actually have a full moon. So mm-hmm. that means that you have a lot of light, that if you are outdoors, you have a lot of light at night to be able to see. Mm-hmm. Okay, so one of the ways that we uh, we celebrate it is on the, on the 15th day. And what are they celebrating? Well, actually, when you celebrate unleavened bread, it's sort of like a memorial service, a memorial. So what are you memorializing? Well, you're memorializing that when... Elohim redeemed his people down in Egypt mm-hmm. and that he redeemed them. And so by celebrating the supper, what are you doing? You're memorializing the event that he gave. Okay. Now, when you talk about a memorialization of an event that is transpired, then when you have, uh, have the celebration of the Passover, you have a rehearsal of the acts of deliverance. Mm-hmm. And so oftentimes the older generation would tell the younger generation of some of the things that transpired with Elohim, of how he delivered them from certain uh, Egyptian bondage. But when we look at the Passover today, what do we have to celebrate concerning our deliverance? Well, we go back to ancient Egypt uh, because we are the true Hebrews, Mm -hmm. That was, came over here, but we broke the covenant and that's why we were in slavery. But the other thing that we're looking at is that even though we were not in Egyptian slavery, we we were in, our forefathers were in the, the uh, slavery over here in America. Mm -hmm. And so Elohim got us out of slavery over here in America, even though everything uh, is not right as it should be, but he did get us out of uh slavery behind the cotton curtain that we were in the fields all day. He got us out of that. Mm-hmm. So we have something to remember. We have something to rehearse. We can tell our children. We can tell uh, others of how we were in bondage. He broke us out, even though we are looking for a, even a greater bondage. So when we talk about how to celebrate Passover, we're talking about we are memorializing some of the things of the past, and we're rehearsing, how he delivered us in certain uh, situations in which we were in as a people, and as a result of that, we uh, celebrate that service. As Yeshua said, he says uh, we can we can we can celebrate the service by taking uh, the grape juice, the fruit of the vine, to represent his blood that was uh, shed on, on on the tree on the on the cross, and we can celebrate his body by eating matzah bread because, see, the grape juice prepares us for the Mm. matzah. And, see, the matzah was made whereby it was not leavened because when you get leavened bread, it's easy to cut leavened bread with a knife. But but when it comes to unleavened bread, it's it's, it's coarse and firm and it's hard, Uh and therefore you can't cut it with a knife. You have to break it. Because the Bible Bible speaks about breaking his body. Mm -hmm. And when his body was broken, then the blood could come out. And so when we get his blood, the blood cleanses us up so that we can go into his body. And so when we celebrate the whole week of unleavened bread, we are celebrating it, and we are rehearsing his death. Mm -hmm. And that's what it's all about, rehearsing his death. He said, when we celebrate, uh, the communion, what many people call, and when we celebrate the eating of the bread and the drinking of the grape juice, he said, you show forth my death till I come. So we memorialize his death. That's what's in the Passover. And so when we do that, these are ways that we celebrate it. Wow.
0: Well, you know, I never thought about, you know, because I guess we never really was taught that we were the true Hebrews. And up until recently, uh, some of us have came to understand that we are, and how we were. Well, our ancestors, you know, just a few generations was delivered from slavery here in America, mm-hmm. which honestly was no different than what our forefathers right. in Egypt dealt with in slavery there. Mm-hmm. And also that that was a really uh, good analogy and point you you made there. And I never thought about that. Mm-hmm. Um, we do have a question from a listener. okay And it reads, "Is it still necessary to literally remove physical leaven from our homes during the Feast of Unleavened bread? Doesn't First Corinthians chapter 5 verses seven and eight put removing leaven in a spiritual sense and not literally removing the physical bread, etc, out of our homes? I understand we shouldn't eat anything with leaven in it during the feast. Mm-hmm.
2: Now, what, what what passage was that again?
0: Uh, First Corinthians, chapter five, verses
2: seven and eight. Oh, seven and eight. Okay. All right. Oh, let's continue your question. I'm 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 gonna, I'm gonna answer this question in at least two ways. In two ways. So I want you to bear with me. Uh, now, there there are some school of thoughts that. Uh, the question that is being asked, they takes this, They take the stance that uh, you don't really have to remove it from your house as mo- long as you remove it from you know your your life. Okay, all right. Uh-huh. And I know I know uh, feast keepers uh, who keep Passover, and I know one situation that one person in the in in, in the household believes. You got to remove all of the leaven and another who in the same household don't believe in removing all, all all of the leaven from the house. Okay. So with that in mind, let me let me let me answer it this way. Okay. Now when we when we consider uh, putting away the leaven from the house, what we are looking at is that we have been admonished. To take the leaven out of the house. Now, okay. now, when we look at that, now let me see. That was, let me see. That was First Corinthians what? Uh, chapter five. In verses eight and what? Seven and eight. Okay, let me get that. Seven, eight. All right, let's look at that. He says, "Purge out, therefore, the old leaven that ye may be a new lump, as ye are unleavened." for even the Messiah, our Passover, is sacrificed for us. Therefore, let us keep the feast not with old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. Okay, now what Paul, what, what Paul is addressing to the Corinthians here is <coughs> he's, he's, he has put the leaven in somewhat of a, what I would say a spiritual sense. And he is saying that we need to take out the old leaven. Now, what is the old leaven? Okay, well, we can say the old leaven The old leaven is, is, is that yeast, and the yeast that represents sin. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, here's what we want to look at. Now, when he speaks in terms of the new uh, lump, is he, a, even though it's spiritual, okay, mm-hmm. are we saying... He's talking about the individual, or is he talking about the house? Okay. Mm-hmm. Now I think, right offhand, we can say he's talking about the individual. Mm-hmm. So, when he says, uh, "Purge out therefore the old leaven," is he saying purge it out of your home, or purge it out of your house, or purge it out of uh, out out of you? Uh, We know who he's talking to, but these two verses are not really addressing whether he's talking about the house or the person. Mm -hmm. He's saying, purge out. In other words, wherever the leaven is, he's saying, purge out. Mm -hmm. Okay, now I want you to watch this now. Now, we're going to look at it from two aspects, I said, two aspects. Now, the first aspect we're going to look at it is... We're going to look at it from the aspect of, of, a, of a house, okay? Uh-huh. Now, if Paul is saying, therefore, purge out the leaven from a house, what he, what is he saying, okay? Now, I'm going to take you back to the sanctuary, too. We don't need to turn to the scriptures, but I think I can explain it. When we look at the uh, sanctuary that Moses built, okay, he had a sanctuary tabernacle, and then around the sanctuary ta- tabernacle, he had a fence And we understand that the fence that was around the tabernacle, it was made out of white linen, okay? And then when you look at the common priests that worked in the sanctuary, they had linen garments that they wore to do the work around the sanctuary. So now the point that I'm trying to point out, that if Paul is talking about the house, then the reason why you take leaven out of your house and out of your pantry and out of your, you know, maybe your medicine cabin and all of that is because Elohim is not just desirous of us being holy, but he wants our environment to be holy. So if there's any living in an environment, then that needs to come out because the, the environment that we are in reflects us. So when Satan was put out of heaven, Elohim was saying, not only will he not contaminate the angels, but he won't even contaminate the, our environment. So he put the priest in a holy environment, and that's why he had the linen fence all around round there, okay? All right, now, let me go to the second reason, and then we're gonna then we're gonna uh, kind of pull these pull it together. The second reason is this, if he's talking about taking living out of our house, uh, out of our out of our person, as an individual, then he is saying to us, I want you to be holy because in another passage, I think in, in Corinthians, I think it's the sixth chapter. He says, know you not that your bodies are the temple of Elohim or the temple of the Messiah and the Holy spirit wants to dwell in you. So if Paul is talking about taking or purging the living out of us as Elohim's sanctuary, then he is saying, I want you to be pure, not necessarily the environment, but I want you to be pure because we do live in a sinful world, but we can be pure. So he said, I want to take it out. Now, what, what is this leaven? Well, the leaven can be one or two things. Leaven can be sin that needs to be taken out to life. And then when the Yeshua was talking to his disciples one time, he told them, He says, Uh Uh, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, okay? He said, beware of the leaven of the Pharisees. And they thought he was talking about bread because they didn't bring bread. But then the Bible says that when they really understood what he's saying, he was saying not the leaven that is in literal bread, but he's saying, take out the leaven of the Pharisees, which is the doctrine. You see, a lot of the false doctrine that the Pharisees was teaching, that Elohim says that when you get the leaven out of your life, you got to get that false doctrine. Now, what is some of the false doctrine? Well, some of the false doctrine is, is is, that if we keep an Easter, Christmas, and all of this, that's leaven. We have to get that out of our lives. Just like a lot of people want to keep Passover and Easter together. I don't, even if Easter fell on the day of Passover, uh, of unleavened bread, which today, we don't. We don't deal with no Easter. Why? Because that's leaven. That's false doctrine. So the leaven of the Pharisees was false doctrine. And then he says again, he says, beware of the leaven of, uh, who was it, Pharaoh? Not Pharaoh, but uh, uh, in the New Testament, when when when, when, when they had uh, Herod, he said, beware of the leaven of Herod. Now, what is the leaven of Herod? Well, when Yeshua was on earth, he called he called Herod, he said, tell that fox that I'm coming. In other words, a fox is kind of sly, is cunning. So when he talks about the leaven of, of Herod, Herod was in the government. And so the, le- the leaven of Herod, who was in the government, is that there's a lot of corruption going on in the government. And a lot of people, they head and heels over what the government says even though the government is 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 going against Elohim's word, a lot of people would take the government and put it over Elohim's word. And so when you talk about the leaven, you're not only talking about sin, and you're not only talking about false doctrine, but we got to get a lot of this government out of our, 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 our system and put Elohim over the government, not the government over him. And when we do that, we get the leaven out of our lives individually. Now, let me put put, let me put the two together now. Okay. Now, when you look at man and you talk about getting living out of the house. Okay. Well, when you look at the Bible, I guess this is my third point, really. (laughs) When you look at the Bible and the Bible talk about a house, what is a house? Before we had brick and mortar or before they had tents, they had a house. Why? Because Elohim made the house. Now, when we look at Elohim, Elohim himself is a house. And then when he have other people to partake of his house, we call that the family. And just like when they say uh, Israel, the house of Israel, when we say the house of Israel, what are we talking about? We are not just talking about the tents that they stayed in. But when we talk about the house of Israel, we are talking about Jacob, whose name was changed to Israel. And when he had children, those children was a part of Israel. So when we talk about the house, we're not only talking about Jacob, but we are talking about those who were in his house. Now, what was the first house? Well, Elohim, he was the first house. He 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 was the first house. He had a son that was a part of his house. He had angels that are part of his house. So So the individual is the house, and from the house, they can make a dwelling place where they can stay that we also call a house. But a house is really the person. And when they have children and offspring, they become a part of that house, just like Jacob's children became a part of his house. So if we're talking about cleaning the house, we have to look at it from the standpoint that we are cleaning out our body temples. And then we have to think in terms, if I'm cleaning out my body temple, do I really want my environment around me to be unclean as well? So I would think in terms of both of them that we clean our environment house as well as we clean our personal house and also our personal family. That's the way I would see it.
0: So not only just cleansing the house, but also our internal bodies. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also mentally, uh, not just physically, but also mentally we're trying to clean.
2: Yeah, that's what you call psychological cleansing. And then there's a study that goes wrong with psychological cleansing. Matter of fact, uh, when you deal with the the sanctuary or the house of of an individual, Mm -hmm. the individual house, not the house that they stay in, but the house that they are, you have what you call a psychological cleansing and you have a pneumatical cleansing, the cleansing of the spirit. And you also have a physical cleansing, which is a cleansing of the body.
0: So you 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 did give us some examples of uh, well you know um, as internally as far as sin being leaven, mm-hmm. and I know we was talking before we got on today. What are some items, physical leaven, that we should remove from our
1: homes?
2: I think the, I think the uh, two two basic ones is like yeast, you know. Mm-hmm. Some people have flashman yeast, and there's the other different types of uh, yeast that causes uh, bread to rise. See, mm-hmm. We don't want anything that causes the rise because, see, what has got us in this sinful state in the first place is that we have become puffed up. How do you become puffed up? Well, it's just like bread. When you put yeast in bread, that live yeast makes the bread puffed up. And so when sin get in our lives, sometimes we can get, get puffed puffed up. So we're talking about yeast that make bread rise, and I believe also they have soda. I think soda is is considered uh, 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 a leavening agency. It, it can do it. So I know those those particular two. Now so, that that probably could be some others, but those are the basis two that I know of.
0: So yeast and baking soda. Mm-hmm.
2: Okay. All right.
0: Well, all right. Pastor, can you take us to the throne as we get ready to close out the beginning of this podcast for Feast of Unleavened Bread?
2: Okay. 11 Father, we have tried to cover here this evening the, uh, the periods of the Passover. And the first one we looked at even before you made the creation. We were studying that you gave the prophecy about the slain lamb even before you started the creation. And we looked at that as being the <clears throat> the creation uh, being the uh, necessary things that you had provided for mankind even before you you created him. When first man, Adam and Eve, came into existence, they already had their insurance policies. You didn't wait until they sinned and then developed this plan. You, 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 even before Adam and Eve even got the f- fruit off the tree, even before the tree was placed there, You had already got a plan of salvation, and we're so thankful. We give you praise and honor for providing for us. When we were yet sinners, you had died for us, and we just thank you. We give you praise. We give you honor. We just lord your name. We lift you up. We give you praise. We give you praise for the lamb that was slain for us for the foundation of the world, which meant basically that you were willing to die for us when we sinned. That's what it was all about. That's why you made that plan. And so when man did sin, you humbly came down. And, oh, Father, we just thank you for your son. And your son was just as obedient, like Isaac was obedient to Abraham when he was about to slay him. Yeshua, he was just obedient to you when he was slain. And we just thank you for the salvation that you have given through your son. And we give your name the praise, the honor, and the glory. Continue to be with us that we can make treasure Passover because it prepares us for all of the feasts that you have given. Be with my hosts. Be with me. Be with each person who listens. And as we go through this Passover week, may we get the blood in our lives that is needed to carry us the rest of the year. So inundate us with the blood. It was this blood, Father, that you articulated even before man was created, that he would be the Lamb of Elohim to die for us, and we just give you thanks, thanks for another Passover, in Yeshua's name. We do ask it, and we do pray. Amen. Amen. And amen. Amen.
0: And so you said, April the twenty third, you're going to wrap up the periods of the Passover.
2: Yeah, I don't think it's as long as this particular period, so we got two more periods, and and, uh, we'll we'll, we'll wrap it up.
0: So you want to come?
2: mm. But next, uh, when we do it again, what we're going to do is uh, look at, you know, look at some of the contents within the covenant, what the covenant has. And all of this was done before creation was even thought of.
0: Okay. So Mm. make sure you want to come back here, psychove.com. April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We are live. Our podcast is live. Also, you miss our podcast. Be sure to catch us at psychove.com. Our podcast link is at the top of our website. You can click there or you can find us on Anchor, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. You can catch us there. That is our podcast for this week. If you have any questions or comments, please feel free to email us at science of the covenant at gmail.com. And the King commanded all the people, saying, Keep Pesach unto Yahuwah Elohakim as it is written in the Sefer of this covenant. 2 Kings 23 21. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us, beginning with Passover on April the 16th at 1 p.m. Then come celebrate the beginning of Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 17th at 7 p.m. and the close of the Feast of Unleavened Bread on April the 23rd at 1 p.m. We look forward to you joining us on these dates at psychove.com as we will live stream our celebration of Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread. We look forward to you joining us. Shalom. We at the Science of the Covenant would like to invite you to celebrate the Spring Biblical Feast with us.